so these are ayats 5 to 8. So ayats 5 to 8, today we are uh, discussing, and I'll do the translation in a little bit. Wanted to go over the revelation. I don't think this, we covered last week the story of the revelation of um, this whole surah. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, upon him this entire surah first of all was revealed uh, collectively. The entire surah as mentioned in hadith was revealed at one time and 70,000 angels attended the revelation. They came with the revelation. 70,000 angels came with the uh, surah. You can see like this was an entire entourage of angels descending with the surah to show its majesty. And this is mentioned in Tafsir Ruh al-Ma'ani on the, on the authority of Sayyidina Anas radiallahu anhu. And some of the virtues of this blessed surah we spoke about last week, one being the fact that the one who memorizes it and the one who recites it, Allah Azza wa will protect him from the ill effects of Dajjal, the imposter. And in, in some verse, in some narrations it mentions the first 10 verses, in some narrations it mentions the last 10 verses. Then we see Sayyidina Sahal ibn Mu'adh radiallahu anhu narrates that the Prophet said, one who recites the first and last, first and last verse of Surah Al-Kahf, for him there is light from his feet up to his head. There will be nur from his feet till his head. For a person who recites the first 10 and the last 10. And the one who recites the whole surah, then for him there is light from the earth up to the sky. So obviously reciting the entire surah is much more rewarding that a person will have nur from the earth all the way up to the heavens. What will this nur do? This light besides being an abil- uh, uh, besides helping him differentiate between right and wrong in this dunya, it will also serve him well on the day of judgment. And every sin between this Friday and the last Friday that he, rec- that he recited Surah Al-Kahf, through the barakah of reciting the Surah Al-Kahf, Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive all those sins that were committed from last Friday till this Friday. So every single Friday that we recite the Surah, the sins will be forgiven. Speaking about the nur, the Quran says that, that on the day when you will see the believing people, 
they will have nur moving forth in front of them and to the right. The angels will say, glad tidings of paradise be for you. So the nur will be what a person will be able to walk with on the day of judgment. Without that nur, it will be in complete utter darkness. To the extent that the hypocrites will say, The hypocrite men and women will tell the believers, Wait for us. Please wait. We would like to take a little bit of your nur because we can't see anything. We need you to stop here so that we can see forward. And Surah Hadith mentions, A caller will say, someone will call out, go back. Oh hypocrites, you want nur? You'll find it over there. Go look for nur over there. Don't come and beg from the Muslims, from the believers. So as soon as they turn around, a wall will be thrown right in between the believers and the hypocrites. Two sides to this wall. One side of it, one side of it facing the believers will be filled with mercy. And the side facing the disbelievers will be filled with adab. Two sides of this wall. They will start calling out to them from, from the other side of the wall. Alam ma'akum, were we not with you? Why is this wall between us? Now we can't see anything. We're in pitch dark. Were we not together? Dunya me, we were together. Why are we separated here? Qalu bala. The answer will be, of course you are. Walakinnakum fatantum anfusakum. You put your you put your own self into fitna. You chose evil over righteousness. You chose to put yourself through fitna. Watarabbastum. And you are waiting for difficulties to befall us Muslims. You're always in doubt. You never really actually believed the promises that Allah made with us. You were thinking, maybe, maybe. But you're not fully on board with us. And the long drawn out plans of the future life deceived you. The long drawn out plans of the future life deceived you. And the ultimate deceiver deceived you. Ultimate deceiver is shaitan. Right? The master. He, master in deception. He deceived you. And who else? Amani. Long drawn out plans. We'll do this. Just wait a little bit. Just wait a little bit. You know, subhanAllah. Allah forgive us. Allah protect us. But when are you going to start reading Quran? When are you going to start taking Islamic studies classes? When are you going to start coming to the salah? Inshallah, let me just get my business settled. Huh? Just, it's been just only one year now. Just one more year. Then everything will be fine. I just acquired a new business. I just hired two more employees to help me out. How many times I hear this on a, on a weekly basis from people? That I'm just getting there. Don't worry, we're on the same page. But I just need to make sure. Now I got these two employees to help me. But you know, they need a little bit of training. Right? Now you train them, now what happened? Oh, you know how it is. You can't trust anyone besides yourself. Now these guys, they're just like that. See, khatam, when is this going to finish? And it will never finish. It will never finish. This is just part of the big deception of shaitan. This drawn up plans. No, no, not, not yet. Tomorrow, tomorrow, not yet. Now one day I'll start. One day I'll start. One day I'll start. And Allahu Akbar, death comes to us and we haven't started anything. So Allah Azza wa says that this is what the believers will tell the hypocrites. That that's why you are where you are and we are where we are. Although we used to associate together, we used to live together, eat together, but you had a different wavelength you were going with. Different wavelength. These were your problems. 
So, Noor is something so valuable that Surah Kahf gives us and amongst other good deeds that this will be a source of uh, helping us uh, on the Day of Judgment. Along with the, uh, you know, all the other a'mal that a person does. Now when it comes to When it, come, when it comes to the actual re- background of the revelation, I wanted to share that as well. Uh, that the mushrikeen, they had sent two of their individuals to Madinat al-Munawwara. And they said, um, they, they said that we would like you to go to the Yahud and we want you to go ask them some questions. We want you to go ask them some questions. And based on what, you, what, what, what answers you get, you know, we'll know what to do. So they went ahead to Madinat al-Murawara and they met these um, tri- tribal leaders and they asked them, What do you say about Rasulullah Sallallahu So Nadar bin Haris and Uqba bin Abi Mu'id. Nadar bin Harith, Kafir and Uqba bin Abi Mu'id. These two, they went to the Ahlul Kitab. So the Jews of Medina, before Rasulullah Sallallahu had come, used to always tell the tribes of Aus and Khazraj, as well as the idol idolaters, that you know what? There's a new prophet coming. He's coming. لَقَدَ طَلَّ زَمَانٌ نَبِيٌّ نَتْبَعُهُ وَنَقْتُلُكُمْ بِقَتْلَ عَادٍ وَإِرَمْ They said, the time has come for a Nabi to come who we shall follow and we will, we will assist him and we will kill you all the way Aad and Iram were killed. Who used to say this? The Yehud used to tell the idol, uh, idol worshippers and the tribes of Aus and Khazraj. So the people of Makkah said, oh you're always talking about a prophet. Now let's, let's talk about, we have a man over here. Let's go, let's go ask about him. So Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id and Nadar bin Harith went to Medina to ask them. So they said, if you want to know the reality of Muhammad wasallam, then ask him about three things. If he answers them, he is truthful. And if he doesn't, then you know. And according to some narrations, they said if he answers two of you, two of them, then he's correct. If he answers all three, then he's not correct. So then they said, okay, what should we ask him? They said, we ask him about the tri- the, that nation that passed, that went, went by in the, in, the, in, the, in the past centuries. And they had a very interesting story. Who were they and what was their interesting story? Number two, what was the name of that and the story of that individual who traveled extensively throughout the world and conquered lands in the east and the west? What's his name and his story? And the third is, what is this concept of ruh? What's ruh? So these two, these two individuals went back to Rasulullah and they said, we have some questioning to do. So they asked these three questions. What is the ruh? Who is the man who traveled across the globe, conquering lands? And what's the story of that nation that in the, recent, in the past had a very interesting story? So Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam said, أُخْبِرُكُمْ بِمَا سَأَلْتُمْ عَنْهُ غَدًا I will answer you, I will answer your questions tomorrow. 
So the next day they showed up and Nabi ﷺ did not have an answer. The next day after that they showed up, Nabi ﷺ did not have an answer. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, 15 long days, over two weeks, the Prophet ﷺ does not have an answer. Because he can't make up an answer obviously. He has to wait for the answers to come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's not receiving any answer. So you can imagine, I don't, no, you cannot imagine, you cannot imagine what Rasulullah went through. How difficult it must have been that he made a promise and his honor is on the line. More importantly, Islam's honor. The belief in Allah depends on this. They're saying we're gonna believe. We're not gonna say, you know, whether you are a good person. We want to give you our daughter. We want to figure out if you're a good uh, person. No, we want to know if you're a liar, impostor, or a true prophet. And you said you're gonna have the answers. It's 15 days, and you haven't given an answer yet. So, it was a very challenging time for Rasulullah Eventually, after 15 long days, the whole, all, three, all the answers came. When he, come, when he came to the aspect of the ruh, okay, obviously Surah Al-Kahf mentions two answers, and ruh is mentioned in where? Surah Al-Isra, in the previous surah. So that ayah was revealed, you know, there. What the Allah says, they ask you about the reality of the ruh. Tell them that ruh is an order from my Lord. That's it. I can't tell you beyond that. Allah says, be, so it comes. This is what it means that some of, in some narrations, it mentions that the Jews said, if he answers you all three questions, that means he's a liar. Meaning this third question. If he starts getting into the intricacies of the soul, and the ruh, what the ruh actually is, then a prophet wouldn't say that. That means you know he's not a prophet. So this is exactly the type of answer he gave. He said, ruh, I don't know the reality of the ruh. SubhanAllah, then the way that verse ends is, وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You all have given, been given nothing but a small amount of knowledge. أُوتِيتُمْ is passive form, right? أُوتِيتُمْ Passive form, majhul. All of you have been given. So you didn't even achieve anything in your life. It's all been given to you. All the knowledge that this room has, all the hours and years of studies that we collectively have, and then talk about your families, and then your children, and your parents and grandparents, and all the hundreds of millions of books in all the libraries of the world, and all the multi-billion dollar research centers across the globe, in any, in any field. All of that is called utitum. All has been given to you. Not something you have achieved yourself, but Allah has given you the ability to get to those secrets. Number two, you know there's a saying, there's an there's a explanation in Arabic, it's called nakira tahta nafi. When you have negation, and when you have an, an, uh, uh, a, a, a nakira, which is an indefinite word, after, uh, uh, in a neg- after a negation, that it means absolute generality. That you have been given nothing, nothing at all, except for a tiny little bit. Right? So this is emphasis. Instead of saying, you were given a small amount. That's one way of saying something. You were given something small. But Allah doesn't say that. Allah first of all denies it ever. You got nothing. Okay, fine. You got a little bit. So that tells you that that little bit is seriously very, 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 very little. So from amongst that little things, you cannot expect to know the secrets of what? Secret of ruh. You cannot expect to know the secret of what? 
predestiny. Abdullah posted it all the time, randomly walking out the door. Bye, we have a masala. But what's a masala? Or taqdeer. You know, destiny, I'm confused about this. I'm confused about this. I'm confused about that. Then of course, this is, the, the amount of answers that we have are very limited. These things, especially taqdeer and things, those are very slippery slopes. You don't want to go in that direction. If Allah Azza wa already knows about my future, if I, this, these type of things, don't even go in that direction. Because we already been told we don't know the reality of these things. Okay? What, practice on what you know. You know Fajr is necessary. Let's do that. We know Isha is necessary. Let's do that. We know guarding your gaze is necessary. Let's do that. What we do know, let's focus on that. But what shaitan does is he makes us neg- neglect what is necessary and what is known to all of us and makes us run around things that we don't understand. And which are of absolutely no benefit as well in reality. But it is what it is. You move on, you move forward with it. But you and I arguing about this issue, it is not definitely going to make us all of a sudden you know, more enlightened. It's not. It's not going to make you enlightened as much as you may think it may seem. Practicing in the sharia, the external aspects of the sharia is what makes you enlightened. Practicing on, on the sunnah of Rasulullah is what makes us enlightened. So anyway, so this is the explanation of Ruh Nabi was asked to give. It comes from Ruh, comes from Allah. And then that the story of the whole cave was mentioned in detail. And that individual who conquered the lands, his name is Dhul Qarnayn. His story comes in afterwards, towards the end of the surah. Now it comes in narrations that the ulama say that the reason why this wahi was revealed, delayed was because he did not say, Insha'Allah. Alright? وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدًا إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهِ وَاذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ إِذَا نَسِيتَ Ayah number 24 in Surah Al-Kahf is going to come. Insha'Allah we'll spend you know, a good amount of time there. Ayah number 23 and 24. Allah says, do not say for something that you're going to do tomorrow, that don't say about something, I'm going to do it tomorrow without saying insha'Allah. So the benefits of saying insha'Allah is huge. Oh, by the way, that's not to evade responsibility. Okay? That's not one of the benefits. Unfortunately, even Biden caught on to that. You know? And he said in his election, the whole insha'Allah. That's why I always, anytime people say insha'Allah, I say, well, he's a Biden insha'Allah, which insha'Allah are you speaking about? So, yani, this is the uh, idea is that we have misused, you know, people say if inshallah could sue you, it would sue, you would sue us because we've misused it so much. But there's a lot of benefit, lots of benefit, subhanallah, in the word inshallah. And one of those greatest benefits is complete submission and humility in front of Allah. But um, let's have dinner, let's have chai and biscuits after, after the tafsir. What do we say? Are bhai, it's right there. What's the big deal? Come on. We're going to have chai and biscuits. Why do you got to say inshallah? Anybody, nothing. I won't even be able to walk out of the masjid alive without the will of Allah Everything you say, you say inshaAllah. Letting us know, okay, we, we can't control anything of our life. If Allah doesn't will it, then this water bottle won't be able to lift, be lifted in my hand. Nothing will happen. That's why anything and everything we say inshaAllah. And that continues to show Allah how humble we, we really regard ourselves. That I can't do anything in my life without your will and power. Instead of saying, I'm going to win the election. We can do it. We can do it. No, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. You can't lift a bottle of water and you cannot win any election. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you that. So a we can and I can attitude is not good. That's un-Islamic. Yes, you work super hard. You work super hard. And you say, our team, the leader is Allah. I'm part of the Hezbollah, the army of Allah. It's mentioned in the Quran. I regard, I say Allah is my leader. And if Allah wants to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to achieve it. But that's it. But me, myself, without Allah Azza wa Jal being present in that team is not going to work. So this, inshaAllah, has immense benefit. Now, a little moment 
for you to reflect on how difficult these 15 days were for the Prophet Allah He could have revealed the verse man. I want us to think because you and I go through a lot of hardships in life. All of us go through hardships. And you say, wait, why did it happen, happen like this? But why man? I mean, I just wish it would happen like this. It would have been so easy, simple. Why did it have to happen like this? And my life now has become so much more difficult. For example, someone get married. He said, I, I, if I had to get, Allah knows who I was supposed to get married to. It was going to work out. This one didn't work out. And I suffered so much in this divorce. She did, he did, I did, he did. And, and now, Alhamdulillah, I got remarried again. And now it's beautiful. Why didn't this happen in the first place? Or sometimes someone doesn't get remarried again. Or someone's spouse passes away. Someone's child passes away. Whatever the case may be. And a person says, why did it happen like this? My friends, think about this story, man. Think about this story. 15 days, you got the whole Makkah want to break down your home. And say, you liar, we told you, we told you, we knew it. And you have to sit there. Go to the haram, go pray your salah, and come back home with the whole city taunting you. Everyone is speaking against you. And say, we knew it, you're a liar all along. Inna lillahi raji'un. Imagine, and who is this? He's not just a, you know, a righteous, pious person. He is the ultimate Nabi of Allah, the greatest human being. He, for him, this is so difficult. Unbelievable. And Allah is watching him go through this difficulty. That's what I want you to think about. Allah is watching His Nabi go through 15 days of unbelievable emotional torture and pain. And He didn't send the revelation. How long would it take Allah to send it the first or second day? Tell you, you've cried enough. Come on, let me send it to you the third day. No. There's a hikmah that is going to come after 15 days. You can cry as much as you want. It will come on the 15th day. Not one second earlier. At one time, Jibreel didn't come another occasion. Nabi said, Oh Jibreel, I'm missing you. Where have you been? So he mentioned in Surah, we did this in Surah Maryam. said, We cannot come down without the permission of your Lord. I say, We cannot just pop in, you know. You can't just pop in. We have to come with the permission of Allah. Allah didn't give us permission, so we can't come. So I want us to reflect the emotional pain. Every time you and I go through difficulties, think about what Rasulullah went through. And you realize there's gotta be some wisdom, man. There's gotta be some hikmah here. I can't expect Allah Azza wa to run the universe the way I want it. Maybe because I pray two rakat salah. I give a hundred dollars sadaqah. I give a hundred bucks. What I want now, I must, I must get it right now. No, you may not get it. It may take you 15 days. It may take you 15 years. But you can't give up. That's the thing. You cannot give up trying. Whatever the issue is. You want to have a child? It's been 16 years, you don't have a child? No problem. I know people who have gotten in the 70th year of marriage. No problem. Just don't give up. Why you, why you stop making dua? Keep on making dua and keep on using all other means that are there. For example, any issue that you have in your life, don't complain that why is Allah putting me through this? Just think about the life of Rasulullah And this is what it is during the month of Rabi'ul Awwal. We talk about the seerah of Rasulullah Many Many times a person say, Bhai, you don't know what I'm going through. You have no idea. You don't know what Rasul went through. Why don't you pick up a book of seerah and read how did Nabi life, how did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala choose to make it happen with so much challenges and difficulty. After all of that, of course, his status is the highest of the high. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made him go through so much difficulty before he arrived there. Before he arrived, where? To that great status that he has. So these are the three incidents on which the 
surah was revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For these three incidents, that surah was revealed by Allah azza wa jal. Um, so I talked about the themes last time, what the four stories are, and the fitna of kings, fitna of wealth, fitna of knowledge, fitna of iman. Right? Uh, fitna of mean, sorry. Now we will go to the translation. مَا لَهُمْ بِهِ مِنْ عِلْمٍ وَلَا لِآبَائِهِمْ They do not have any knowledge for this, nor do their forefathers. كَبُرَتْ كَلِمَةً تَخْرُجُ مِنْ أَفْوَاهِهِمْ It is a heinous word that issues from their mouths. They say nothing but a lie. Okay? And let's go to the next words as well. فَلَعَلَّكَ بَاقِعُ النَّفْسَكَ عَلَى آثَارِهِمْ إِلَّمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ أَسَفَا Yet perhaps, O Prophet ﷺ, you would consume yourself sorrowing upon their traces if they will not believe in this divine discourse. Yet perhaps, O Prophet, you would consume yourself sorrowing upon their traces if they will not believe in this divine discourse. إِنَّا جَعَلْنَا مَعَ الْأَرْضِ زِينَةً لَهَا Know that indeed we have made all of that is on the earth as an adornment for it, only to test them as to which of them is best in deeds. Which of them is the best in deeds? وَإِنَّا لَجَاعِلُونَ مَا عَلَيْهَا سَعِيدًا جُرُزًا for certainly, at the end of time, we shall most surely make all that is on it a barren plain of dust. For certainly, at the end of time, we shall most surely make all that is on it a barren plain of dust. <clears throat> so Allah Azza wa Jal is, is, is continuing from the previous uh, verses that we spoke about last week, just to, uh, uh, for us to just re remember. Allah is warning those people who say Allah had offspring. Okay? And those who are doing uh, misdeeds, Allah is warning them. Now He says, they do not have any knowledge for this. Nor do their, nor do their, nor do, nor do their forefathers do. Okay, so usually knowledge, dear brothers and sisters, and dear listeners, may Allah reward you for coming, may Allah reward you for sitting and listening, and may Allah Azawajal inspire us to share in, the, uh, in these verses. In the explanation of these verses, that which I need to hear and all of us need to hear, inshallah. I mean, so these two, there are two ways that a person gets knowledge. One is dhati, where a person himself is able to acquire that knowledge. Or number two, inherited from his elders, inherited from his fathers, mothers, elders, teachers, and so forth. So Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, they have no knowledge of this at all. Notice, min ilmin. Ilmin is also nakira. For students of the, of the Arabic language, ilm is nakira. And you have manafiyah there as well. So this is for, very exhaustively, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, they have absolutely no trace of knowledge. There's no knowledge at all. Not from themselves, not from their forefathers. There's a reason why a person may not know something. One reason is that it's, it's something is present, but you're just not aware of it because it's hidden from you. A second reason you might be not be uh, you may be unaware of something, is because it simply doesn't exist. That's why you don't know about it. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's partner does not exist. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's son or daughter does not exist. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's wife does not exist. What is the final verse of Surah Al-Kahf? وَلَمْ يَتَّقِ sahiba. What is this? Uh, this not Surah Isra, sorry. Surah Isra. وَقُلِ الْحَمْدِ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَتَّخِذْ وَلَدًا وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ شَرِيكٌ فِي الْمُلْكِ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ وَلِيٌّ مِّنَ الذُّلْ وَكَبِّرُوا تَكْبِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has absolutely no partners. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no wife, no kids, no one to be with him. These are the final verses of Surah Al-Isra. So now Allah is saying, without any knowledge, you are speaking such heinous things. Kaburat kalimatan takhrujun afwahim. Kalima. Kalima means a word. Now in Arabic, kalima you all know is a word, but it doesn't just refer to a word. Statements are also called a word. Like La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah is an entire statement, it's called kalima. Similarly, Allah says, When death will come to you, when death will come to the disbeliever, he'll say, Rabbi Raji'oon, please send me back. So that I may do some good deeds in the past life that I left behind. Ya Allah, let me go back and do some good deeds. Allah says, Kalla, absolutely not. Innaha kalima. It is simply a word. This is much more than a word, he said. It is a long statement, he's saying. It's called kalima. Inna kalimatun waqailuha. This was a word that he had to say. Basically, everyone's gonna say this. Everyone who's leaving this world, they will be begging Allah, especially the disbelievers, Ya Allah, send us back. No one's gonna care. No one's gonna listen. No one's gonna pay attention to this. No one's gonna really say, Oh, really, you wanna go back? Come back. Absolutely not. It is something he just had to say, he's saying it. Ajib, think about how severe this verse is in Surah Al-Mu'minun. He just had to say it because that's what everyone says when they get here. But not, no one's gonna listen. He is gonna get punished in front of him is waiting uh, the barzakh, that life between this dunya and the akhirah till he's gonna be raised up on the day of judgment. Meaning, the life in this qabr is also a life of difficulty. So I was saying this, that kalima in the Arabic language is sometimes used for a statement as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, how heinous, kaburat ay'avumat kalimatan, how heinous of a statement this is, takhruju min afwahim, that is coming from its, emanating from its mouth. Where, what does that mean? Where do, where, where do statements come from? They don't come from our fingers, or eyes. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that it's coming from the mouth? Right? Coming from, uh, from their lips. So this is added emphasis to how heinous it is. Right? Mara kisi ne. Bhai haath se mara. Bhai ho kisi maarenge, right? So like, you know, we have in Pani Nahana. In our Hyderabad, we have our own issues with our language. We say, bhai Pani Nahayenge, you know? So people look at them, bhai Dusi bhi nahay jate hai. Koon, yani, koon, Pani ke ala, phir kisi nahate hai. So people, in our language, they say, we take a shower with water. Right? We have, we use Tahsilul Hasil. Some things that are already understood, we like to repeat it separately. Taking a shower with water. Well, people, then why else, what else do you take a shower with then if it's not with water? So you can understand it here for added emphasis. Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that how dare you actually utter such a word from your mouth. Like we say that in English as well. When something is, I can't believe what you just said from your tongue, right? I can't believe what just came off of your lips. I can't believe what you uttered from your mouth. Things of that sort. That's one explanation. Number two, Allah Azza wa Jal is saying that how shocking one is you have evil thoughts one if you have heinous thoughts one is you have unacceptable thoughts 
But one is to verbalize those thoughts. That's really bad. Verbalizing the thoughts that you have is not acceptable. Bure to kisi ko Bad thoughts anyone can have. As long as you suppress them, don't talk about it. Like a, a, a tribe came to Rasulullah, so some group of companions, and said, Ya Rasulullah, sometimes we go through such type of feelings and emotions and thoughts that we would rather be flung into a fire than utter those statements. What should we do about this? Some type, sometimes thoughts come to our mind that we would rather be flung into a blazing fire than utter those thoughts. What should we do? And I know many brothers have asked me the same question. That there's some, as soon as we say Allahu Akbar, crazy thoughts come to our mind. As soon as we go into sujood, crazy visions come to our mind. This is just shaitan. This is shaitan trying to stop you from your prayer. Many brothers, they have different type of situations. Some as soon as they say Allahu Akbar, they start suffering physical pain. Some they start suffering, you know, thoughts and wasawis. So you have to do the ilaj of that. When you do, of course, you seek refuge in Allah from shaitan. Excessively. Do wudu, freshen wudu again. And then, uh, you know, read the ayat of, of, of Ruqya. Last week also I told you the manzil. Make a habit of reading the manzil. The 30 verses, you can download that and recite it. So if someone is going through these waswasas, for example, this is one of the ways that we should treat ourselves is by reading manzil and blowing ourselves on it regularly and uh, reading A'udhu Billahi Mishtar Rajim and then trying to ignore, not to sit there and say, oh, I wonder what this means. Why is this happening? No, just ignore it. Don't pay attention to it. The more we focus on it, the more we pay attention to it, the more you embolden, the more you embolden these shayateen. And they feel like they have a way. They, they, they see, they, oh, it grabbed, they grabbed your attention. So you don't want to, you say, no, you didn't grab my attention. I'm just doing whatever I got to do. I, I'm doing it because we heard in, <laughs> in the tafsir that I was supposed to read manzil. So we're reading it. Not that I'm intimidated by you. So this is a habit that, my dear brothers, we should keep uh, on a regular basis. So Allah Azza wa Jalla. So this sahaba, they said, there are certain things that we feel that we would never, ever want to utter. But with these thoughts come, what should we do? What did Nabi Alaihissalam say? He said, iman." In one riwayah, it says, "Tilka mahdul iman." That is the absolute true iman. That's real iman. What does that mean? That's real iman. So there's multiple explanations of that. One explanation is that the fact that you are so scared of uttering those words and you're so worried about these thoughts. Forget about uttering it. You're so scared that you even have these thoughts. And now you're coming to me worried about it. This is the sign of your true iman. This is the sign of your true iman. That you're so worried about these thoughts that forget about uttering it. You don't want to even think about it. That you're saying, I would rather be flung into fire than utter these thoughts. This is the sign that you have complete iman. This is the more acceptable, more famous opinion. And there's another opinion also. That I heard from our Ustad, Amona Sulman Chuksi Sahab, that you know, Chor kaha hamla karta hai, jaha andar koi cheez ho, right? Bank pe, maldar ke ghar pe. And a thief, he attacks where there is some money. He will go attack a wealthy person's car or a home or a bank. He's not gonna go try to steal off of a, a, a street peddler or someone who's living off under their bridge. 
So when shaitan comes and starts putting waswasas in your mind, that means he is afraid of you. Because he sees you've got a lot of potential. So now he wants to push you off. So he pushes you off by putting waswasas in your mind. And then you get so caught up in these waswasas, you forget your real purpose. So if someone is going through a lot of thoughts, then you should not feel, oh really, maybe I am a horrible person. Maybe I am really a very bad person. Because that's what is part of the plan of shaitan. To make you think of the most horrible things, it's, it's crazy how bad it can get. And a person's praying salah. You're in front of the Kaaba. You're in, you know, you're, whatever the case may be. And you're like, how, how? Where is this coming from? Why am I thinking about this most disgusting or evil, horrible, ex- unacceptable thought? Maybe I am that bad. Maybe that's who I am. No, that's not you who you are. You have a lot of goodness in you. But shaitan is afraid that you coming and performing your salah properly, or you going for your umrah properly, or you uh, in your tahajjud, whatnot, are going to get such closeness to Allah that it's going to ruin all his efforts that he's made against you. So he wants to derail you by putting these waswasas in your mind and whispers and make you actually think that they're from you and that you are actually an evil, dirty person. And it's not him. Understand that? Is that clear? So if you know anyone who's going through them, give them this advice. Tell them, mashallah, you're great. Don't worry about this. This is the sign. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, That is real iman. The one, the one who is a mushrik, a disbeliever, what waswasa he's gonna get, man? He's already gone, finished. Right? Shaitan is, feels safe about him. He doesn't feel threatened by a mushrik or a disbeliever. He feels threatened by a true believer. So this is what the Qur'an is saying. That how dare you have the audacity to not just think about these statements, but you actually were able to, you know, mention it on your tongue. Dear brothers and sisters, this is why we should train our children as well. To explain to them this whole concept I'm speaking about, waswasas, thoughts. Kibai, not every single thought that you have, you need to go post, make a post on Twitter. Hey, I'm just thinking about this today. Because some of these things are kufr. If you're thinking about it yourself while you're eating your bowl of cereal, now, do, now after that go pray to rakat salah and ask Allah protection. But you don't have to share this with the world. Because these statements may be what? Of kufr. And if you don't speak it, you will not be held accountable for it. But if you write it, you tweet it, you speak about it, you make a meme about it, then you're going to be responsible for it. You're going to be responsible for it. Allah says in Surah Al-Qaf, there isn't a single statement that comes out of the human mouth, except for that there's an angel waiting, writing down everything. Every single statement. When it comes to the khawatir, what's a khawatir? The thoughts that come through your mind, you and I are not responsible for that as bad as they may be. In yaquluna illa kadiba. Allah says, this is nothing but a lie. That's all it is. The lie of, of that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a son. Next ayah. فَلَعَلَّكَ بَاخِعٌ نَفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ إِلَّا مِؤْمِنُوا This is a very powerful Uh, verse of the Quran. In this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning to Allah to Rasulullah that you need to take it easy. Because you have taken the responsibility that I've given you to a level, to such heights that you are now harming yourself. I'm worried about your as we would say, I'm worried about your health. You're taking a lot of stress. So this is what Allah is now calming Rasulullah down.
and he is telling him that it's not that you're getting too stressed out. No. What does Bakha, Imam Zamakhshari, he says, Bakha or Bukha, he says, is the actual vein or one of the veins, I guess so, in the back of a person's backbone or back of the throat rather, that when a person is slaughtering an animal, that is the last thing. After that, there's no life left. It's all the way at the end. He says, the, 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 mo, the deepest extent of a slaughter will be when you hit the bukha. Once you hit, cut the bukha off all the way in the back. This is not the normal veins that we cut. All the way till basically the skin of the neck. All the way back there. He said, that's what the bukha is. So, bakhirun nafsaka is to utterly, completely kill yourself. So the Qur'an is telling the Prophet ﷺ that not that you're just going to get stressed out, but that actually you are going to fully kill yourself at the level of stress you're taking over the ummah. That's something on this blessed Rabiul Awwal 13 night we should be contemplating and thinking. As in this month of Sirah, people speak about it. Think about the greatest sunnah of Rasulullah ﷺ. His whole lifestyle, his mindset. Worry, worry, worry about people. Love people. Genuine care about people. Interest in the needs of the people. Right? Empathize with people. Sympathize with people. Be with them in their moments of happiness. And be with them in their moments of sorrow and sadness. Be there to console them. Be there to congratulate them. Always look out for their best interest even if they don't understand where their best interest lies. That is the sunnah of Rasulullah for the entire ummah. Ummatul ijabah and ummatul da'wah. That ummah that accepted his call and that ummah that had not accepted his call yet, non-Muslims basically, they are called ummatul da'wah. Those that need to still be called. Nabi retained same level of love and care and concern for all of them. Why will you kill yourself? Out of sorrow that they have not believed in this divine discourse. I want to take a moment here to reflect on Rasulullah wasallam's love and care for this ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions many places in the Quran. This word, baqi'un, is also mentioned in Surah Al-Shu'ara. Okay? Allah mentions right in the beginning of Surah Al-Shura. Tasimim, tilka ayatul kitab al-mubin, la'allaka baqi'un nafsaka alla yakunu mu'mineen. Third verse of Surah Al-Shura. Allah says the same thing. Perhaps you may end up killing yourself. And He said consume yourself. But the word Bukha I explained to you. Muhlik nafsak alla yakunu mu'mineen over the fact that these people are not accepting your message. Are not becoming believers are not willing to believe in the message you have brought. Nabi alayhi salatu salam, let's read the story of Abu Talib. It says in Abdullah ibn Abbas it says, لَمَّا مَرِضَ أَبُو طَالِبْ When Abu Talib became ill, دَخَلَ عَلَيْهِ رَحْتُمْ مِنْ قُرَيْشِ A group of people came to Abu Talib, فِيهِمْ أَبُو جَهَلْ Amongst them was Abu Jahl. فَقَالُوا إِنَّا بِنْ أَخِيكَ يَشْتُمُ آلِيَتَنَا وَيَفْعَلُ وَيَفْعَلُ curses our forefathers and our gods and he does this and this and that. 
Not, he curses our gods. So if you were to send a messenger to him to stop him, that would be nice. He sent a messenger to the Prophet ﷺ. And Abu Ta- uh, and Abu, uh, so Rasul ﷺ came and he sat with Abu Talib. So Abu Jahl, we got scared. Khashi Abu Jahl, injalasa ila jambi Abu Talib and yakun araqa lahu alayhi. He said, if Rasulullah and Abu Talib sit together one on one, maybe he will convince Abu Talib. And his Abu Talib will soften up. For who? For Rasulullah. So, Fawathaba Abu Jahl jumped. And he went right into this gathering where Rasulullah and Abu Talib. And he sat there so that Abu Talib should not take effect. The Prophet ﷺ could not find a place to sit next to his uncle. فَجَلَسَ عِنْدَ الْبَابِ So he sat next to the door of where this meeting was taking place. Okay, something interesting, huh? how Kufr thinks also. فَقَالَ Abu Talib, Abu Talib said, أَيْ ابْنَ أَخِي, O my nephew, مَا بَالُ قَوْمِكَ يَشْكُونُكَ Why is your nation, your tribe complaining about you to me? And they claim that you curse their gods. And they say a lot of things. And so Rasulullah spoke and he said, Ya Am, O my uncle, My people don't understand that I have come to them with one kalima. I want them to say this kalima. If they say this kalima, the entire Arab will have its neck bowed down to them. The entire Arab world will have its neck bowed down to them. And the Ajab, the non-Arabs, if they don't want to accept their belief, they will be paying tax and jizya to my nation. So they were shocked at the statement of Rasulullah So the qawm said, the people said, Kalimatan wahida, na'am wa abika ashra. You're saying this will happen to us if we say one kalima? We take an oath on your father, bring us ten words, we'll say ten. If we can become the leaders of this, you're saying that the Arabs will come to our feet, the Ajam will come to our feet, by one statement, we won't say one statement, we'll say ten statements. Whatever you need us to say, we'll say it. فَقَالُوا وَمَا هِيَا What is it? Abu Talib said, Why you kalimatin hiya, ya ibn Even Abu Talib, he got interested. He said, huh? What, my nephew, what is this statement that you're saying? قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ The Prophet said, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Just say, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ That's all I want you to say. فَقَامُوا فَزِعِينَ يَنْفِضُونَ ثِيَابَهُمْ وَيَهُمْ يَقُولُونَ أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَاهُمْ وَاحِدًا إِنَّ هَذَا لَشِيْنْ عُجَابٍ They quickly got up angrily and they started dusting their cloth. Like, you know when a person gets up from dust and he, he, he cleans the dust off of his clothes? This is how they stood up dusting their clothes. Saying what the Qur'an says in Surah Sad. أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَاهُمْ وَاحِدًا Have you made all the multiple gods into one god? This is very surprising. This is very ajeeb. What are you doing? So, Nabi alayhi salatu salam continued on his mission. It comes in another riwayah, the Nabi alayhi salatu salam in Mina. He would go and he would invite in Mina, when the mushrikeen were coming for hajj, he would go from the, the, the uh, tents, each tent to the next tent, he would go invite them towards Islam. 
when he would go invite them towards the tent, what would be happening? His own uncle would be walking right behind him and would be saying, don't believe in this liar, don't believe in this magician, don't believe in this madman. Imagine that you have a person with a bullhorn walking behind you, telling everyone that he's a madman. By one four-year-old, one ten-year-old cannot handle a four-year-old younger sibling doing this to him. Yeah? It's so upset. What are you doing? Here you have the Nabi of Allah and his own relative uncle is standing behind him and saying, don't believe in him, he's crazy, he's crazy. Nabi Wasallam does not stop. And he goes into tent by tent. The people are sitting there. Alhamdulillah, those of you who have been blessed to go for Hajj. You've been in Mina. You know when you're sitting there with your group, even though you don't even know this group prior to coming in for Hajj. But still you build a camaraderie. Someone shows up at the door. Say, hey, who is it? where's this guy came from? He's from another group. Or worse yet, he's coming to ask for money. At the tent. The people all, how they will say, oh brother, this is a professional beggar, this and that, please take him away. How the people have this clickishness. We've seen it. Nafsi, nafsi. We have limited beds. Please, you cannot take that. This is our coffee. The coffee is given to everyone. We have shop. But you see how people, you want to see the reality of people go for hajj. When you have, when you have uh, limited resources, as, as I heard when someone is saying, you know the veneer of humanity is very thin. A, a little bit of pressure and the humanity is gone. Insaniyat, you know the insaniyat humanity, is very thin layer of it. It melts under the slightest pressure. Just a little bit of bhai, chai bhai, so it's okay. No, no, this is group guy. This is our group. Yeah, you will see this all the time. And it hurts. This is the condition of the ummah. Udar Huzur is saying, anyone is in pain in the entire ummah, we're supposed to feel it. Like the way when you have a toothache or headache, the whole body stays awake at night. Anyone in the ummah has any type of difficulty, we're supposed to feel the pain. Over here, we're fighting, fighting over one cup of chai, over the saf in Banda, he's trying to pray in the haram. No, this is my spot. The, the iqamah started. There's no place in the mataf to pray. Just let the guy pray. I have seen the worst type of behavior. Worst type of behavior. Seriously. I cannot imagine non Muslim doing something like that. In, the, in front of the Kaaba, Jummah ki namaz is taking place. And you're a dhakid and pushing, pushing. No, you cannot stand here. What's gonna happen? The, the hadith says, if you say to your brother during khutbah, Ansat, keep quiet, you have wasted and destroyed your reward of khutbah. What about pushing? Pushing and saying, move from here, move from here. And also, swearing also, in their own language. The guy doesn't understand, he's Iranian, he's swearing at him in, in Zulu, or he's African and he's swearing at him in, in, in something else. Allahu alam, you know, what's going on? That's just a reminder that we shouldn't think that we're all, you know, cultured people. We really are not. The only reason we act, we respect the laws, is because Allah is not testing us. Look at, within the same country, when a flood comes, when a tornado comes, when the electricity goes out for three days, you see the pictures of what happens to people, the rioters, the looters, how people, they lose their humanity. And how they fight over things. Subhanallah. So, Nabi alayhi goes to that tribe, it goes to that um, tent, and he says, please, قُولُوا لَا إِلَّهِ Now imagine all the tribe people are sitting there and there's a man standing there. Hey, what do you want? He says, please, I'm, I came here to invite you towards Islam. So the narrator of the hadith says, who was not a Muslim at that time, when he saw this and he's narrating afterwards, he said the people of that tribe would, would mock him and ridicule him so bad that you, you would just, you feel pity as an outsider, like, oh my God, 
You know, like why are you treating him like that? And especially if you understood the fact that he's come for your hidayah. Then Nabi alayhi salam, he wouldn't stop. After that, for you and I, it would be sufficient. We would probably say, Bhai, kabhi We'll never ever do this. We will never invite anyone to the masjid. Did you see how he spoke to me? I will never do this again. So then, he would go to the next tent. So that's himma. Go to the next tent. Why should I deprive the people of the next tent? Because of the way the first tent people asked. It's not fair. Yeah? Think about this. Fikr for the ummah. If you've been dealt with in an inappropriate manner from, one, from someplace, someone, you should not stop doing the work of deen. It's not fair for the people. If you, alhamdulillah, you have a great talent, you're serving the people in any capacity. Someone said something to you that upset you. Why should you deprive the rest of the people who could benefit from your expertise because someone did something to upset you? Does it make sense? If you really care about the ummah, you wouldn't do something like that. So is it about my ego or is it about the ummah? What am I actually doing here? So Nabi alayhi went ahead to the next tent. Same response. Third tent, same response. Okay, so that's unbelievable how he kept on going. But we're not over yet. This, this, this narrator says, what shocked me was the very next day, Rasulullah went to the same tent. Again. Okay, it's not over yet. But if you were to look at his face, his emotions, and his speech, you would think that he had never met these people before. He went with so much hope, so much excitement, and so much desire for their hidayah, that you would think that he does not know who these people are, he must be mistaken. But no, my friends, he's been there, he knows who they were, he knows what they said last week. Yet his desire for them is that his fikr for them does not allow him to sit back. That tells you, in a nutshell, what Nabi Salam's concern was. Uh, one of, another narrator says that Nabi Salam entire day in Mecca, he would wake up, you know, since morning time, and he would, after doing his own things, he would go in the valleys of Mecca, and would just go around to people and say, "Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu." Say la ilaha illallah, and you'll be successful. Say la ilaha illallah, and be successful. So this narrator says there was three responses. Three responses. Number one, minhum antafala fi wajhi. There were those who spat in his face. Number two, wa minhum man hatha alaihi turab. There were those who threw soil and mud on his face. And number three, there were wa minhum man sabbahu. There were those who cursed him. Iskala wa koi chota jawab nahi. Three jawab, three answers. Cursing, spitting, and throwing soil on his face. How long? Every day. For hours on end. Eventually, he said, one day I saw that it was midday, hot summer of Makkah, 120 degree temperature. And Nabi Wasallam was still going around. This is the normal habit of Rasulullah He says, فَجَاءَتْ he said, a lady girl came with a bowl of water. And the Prophet ﷺ, he washed his Mubarak face off of that dirt and spit of the disbelievers. And he washed his hands. And this girl looked at him, him and was very worried. She brought this bowl of water for him. And then he addressed this girl and he said, Oh my dear daughter, do not be afraid of your father being disgraced. And do not afraid of your father being ambushed and assassinated. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make this deen reach wherever the night and the day will reach. Wherever the sun rises and the sun sets, Islam will reach there. By honoring those who are worthy of being honored or disgracing those who are worthy of being disgraced. But it will happen. Islam will reach in every corner of the world. And this narrator says that she, he realized then was Zainab, the daughter of Rasulullah She was a very beautiful young girl who had come to see her father suffering like that. Imagine the love the daughter has for her, any daughter has for the father. And then imagine your, 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 the father is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And to see your father being disgraced like this every day, being spat at, right? Facing the accusations, the insults of the people. And so worried about the safety of your father. And he's telling her that don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Allah Azza wa Jal wants me to go through this, right? Basically. Because there's, there's a great maqsad ahead. The maqsad is Islam needs to flourish. And in the process of Islam flourishing, if we have to suffer, and if the sacrifices we have to make, then this is our honor. That's something my dear brothers and sisters, every one of us needs to think, how honorable do I think I become by going through sacrifice for Allah, for the deen? Is there some type of genuine happiness that Alhamdulillah today my back is hurting so much for the sake of Allah. Today my feet are hurting so much because I did something only to serve the deen or serve the people. Today, you know, my, 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 my mind and my headache, I have a headache or I'm bleeding or something like that. Because not for job or to earn money, but here just for the sake of Allah, for the hidayat of the mankind, I did something. My dear brothers, if we don't have anything to show Allah, we're gonna be in trouble. We have to have something in our account to show Allah. To say, I suffered for your deen to spread. I went through difficulty for people to gain salvation. If we are a true ummati of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we've gotta feel that. We must feel that. And that's why Nabi alayhi wasallam is mentioned about him, you know, da'ibul ahzan. That he was consistently grieving, consistently thinking, consistently worried about the ummah. At the same time, Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam did not also, you know, give a bad, you know, create a bad mood of where he was. He said, Bhai, I'm crying, I'm moody, now please go away from here. Instead, you see how he was able to do this great balancing act. That there were certain companions who said, every single time we saw Rasulullah he would be smiling at us. We, we saw no one had a better smile than him. We would look at him and like today's beautiful 14th, 13th moon that you saw. We'd literally compare, there's the moon, there's his face, there's his moon, there's his face. We said, by Allah, his face is more beautiful. So when he had that type of face, obviously he wasn't crying at that time, right? He wasn't frowning at that time. But this is the amazing thing that Rasulullah wanted is that how my fikr is there, my gham is there. But through my gham and my fikr, I don't want your day to also get worried. You know, I, don't want, I want you to happy, have a good time. Nabi Wasallam internally is crying. Internally is worried about everyone. And at the same time, he knows how to cheer up people. He's also saying that one of the best forms of sadaqah, and تُدْخِلَ السُّرُورَ فِي قَلْبِ أَخِيكَ الْمُسْلِمِ To make someone happy. كِسِي كَ دِلْمِ خُشِي پَيْدَ كَرْنَا to make someone happy, one of the best forms of sadaqah. To bring a smile on someone's face. So that's one side. And the other side is Rasulullah sitting there, crying, crying for the ummah. So this is something we need now. 
What do we need right now? We need people who are sincere in their desire for khair for the ummah. Muslim or non-Muslim, whoever it is. People are good. Shaitan is evil. Shaitan and nafs has ruined me and ruined you and ruined people. But people are good people. We should, they don't know any better. They don't know any better. Nabi Alaihi no matter what type of difficulty he went through, what did he say? He would say, Allah guide my people because they do not know better. He is sitting, he is sitting there bleeding. How can a group of people ever be successful who have bloodied the face of their Nabi? Again, he still doesn't curse them. He's saying, how do you think they never be successful? Nabi alayhi akhlaq as we know, was the very best character. And no matter what the situation was, he was always able to keep himself calm and collected. How do you do that? How do you always remain calm and collected? How do you always be so forgiving, so accepting, so you know, willing to accommodate people, even though they are harming you physically so much, emotionally harming? How do you do that? And the secret of this is that Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam had a maqsad, purpose, and the purpose was how can I become the means of saving this entire group of people, billions till the day of judgment from Jahannam. That's my purpose. And in order to fulfill that purpose, I need to do whatever must be done to accomplish that. I need to be able to do whatever is required to be able to accomplish that. I don't know if I gave this example last week or not. You know, khair. But I'll repeat it again. It's the example of, of someone who is wanting to jump off a bridge. Do we say about that? Huh? Someone who wants to commit suicide. So now, yeah, I did speak about this. So now if he says, I want an ice cream. I want a green, blue, pink ice cream. You don't know where to get this from. Green, pink, and blue. Can't say But you go figure out, go to Baskin Ramen, mix it all together. Here you go. Right? No, but this is cold. I want a hot. Hot ice cream? What is that? No problem. No questions asked. You're going to cave in. You're going to do anything you can. Then from there, he throws a pebble at you. And then he calls you name. He name calls you. You know, calls you all sorts of You're not going to get upset and say, oh, forget this. Now I'm done with you. You're trying to get him off of the bridge and save him from jumping to his death. So you will be, you will bear with whatever nonsense he puts forth. Whatever tantrum he shows, you will make supper with that tantrum because you want to save him from taking his life because he doesn't know any better. That is how you stay calm and collected when you have a maqsad in front of you. Nabi Sallallahu had this purpose of saving humanity from Jahannam. He saw Jahannam, he understood what Jannah was, what Jahannam was, and he knew people have no idea what they're going towards. He's mentioned in a hadith. He said, my example and your example is like the person who has lit a lamp and a lantern. And then there are moths and flies and light bugs, lighting bugs that are falling into this lantern and lamp at night. They're dying. You know what you, what you see happens outside in the summer. They don't know that this fire, besides giving light and warmth, is actually going to kill me. They're running toward it, thinking that, oh, there's light over here. But little they know, behind this light and behind this warmth on this cool night, is death. That is the example of the ummah that is running towards haram. They see dunya, they see materialism. They see the shahawat and they say, oh, this is too good, we need to go here. What they don't realize is that behind this beautiful greenery, is a poison that will destroy. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ana bi I'm holding on to you by your waist. 
That is the strongest point. You can hold by a person by his arm, by his finger, by his hair. Well, the best, strongest way, you hold him by his waist. He says, I'm holding you by your waist. But you are pulling yourself away from my grip and, and falling into Jahannam. This is speaking about leaving the sunnah of Rasulullah As one brother was mentioning today, um, a couple, yesterday, he said, I went to a wedding. This, and he said, I went to the wedding and the way he said it, he said, jitne bhi janaze te saare nikal ge us shadi mein. Sunnat ke jitne bhi janaze mumkin hai saare nikal diya However many janazas of the sunnah you can take out, they did. Every single sunnah you can imagine. Every single obedience of Allah and His Rasul in that wedding, they packed it up as a janazah and khalas. We are happy here for this occasion of a husband and wife getting together. Hence we will destroy every sunnah that we've ever known to be brought alive in a cage like this. There you go, that's what it is. Why are people doing this? Rasul is saying, I brought guidance for you. I brought happiness. Who says don't get married? Nabi Sallallahu wants us to get married. He said, all the prophets get married. This is my sunnah. You better follow the sunnah. If you don't follow the sunnah, you're not from, me, from amongst me. You're not following my tartib. You're not following my sunnah if you don't get married. So much emphasis on marriage. Who said don't get married? Who said don't treat your spouse properly? But by follow the sunnah of marriage. Don't bring haram into that. Don't bring dancing into that. Don't bring music into that. This is an issue. We can talk about it every single week. The people perform this salah properly. They're very regular in the masjid. They're very regular in their zakat. They're very regular in other things. But when it comes to marriage, then you cannot differentiate between a Muslim and a Hindu. No difference. It's shocking. What happened to the deen on this, on this day? Why is it completely out of our events? And all other aspects of deen are there. Reading Quran daily also. Even tahajjud. Regular and tahajjud. But when it comes to weddings, and occasions like this, every single haram thing is happening. This is our weakness, right? So that some people, they have a weakness weddings and events. Some people have their weakness in salah. You know, some people have weakness in both. They're all of the ummah of Rasulullah We have to worry about this, we have to speak about it. We have to highlight these things. To say, no, let's not, let's not do this. So when is the discussion? Don't do the discussion when it's happening. It's too late. Nabi Wasallam saw, I mean, this is not the best example. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. The person was urinating in the masjid. What did Nabi Wasallam do? You know, he, he said it's too late now, right? I'm not saying this is the exact example, so don't use this example. I'm just saying that one aspect of it, if he stopped him at that time, maybe he would have caused more harm by him spreading the urine all over or causing physical harm. Sometimes a person is now in the midst of, of, of something which is not legit. Now if a person, one of you sitting here, says, okay, I'm gonna go throw a rocket, st- steal the mic from the singer and say, hey, bye, this is all haram. Well, who's gonna listen, right? On top of that, you will actually have given the deen a bad name. Instead, this planning has to be done beforehand. Beforehand, you go speak to the hosts. And you speak to the father and the mother of the groom and the bride. And say, but how is the wedding going to take place? And then you sit there and explain to them nicely. If you care about the Ummah of Rasulullah you want to do this planning beforehand. And not at the actual event. And I want to tell all those boys and girls who are listening to me. Who are, or those men and women who are to get married or looking to get married. You say, I want to get married according to the Sharia. But my mom and dad, you know, they want to get a cultural wedding. So remember that. <clears throat> Whatever, if a person, if you are sincere in your dua and your desire to stay away from haram in your wedding and you want to have sunnah in your wedding, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept your dua. It will happen. Trust me. Just like when it comes to the choice of your wife or husband, how you always say, if mom and dad and the whole world says, this one from this other Timbuktu, you got to get married to. He said, nope, absolutely not. I mean, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. How you make that happen? How you make that happen? 
You make it happen. You say, no, I'm sorry. I, I can stay single. I can't get married to this person. This is absolutely no match, no language, no culture, no, uh, no, uh, no this, no that. Today, we're really good at that, saying no. How come when it comes to the deen, when it comes to sunnah, everyone's like, ah, you know, we have, to, we have to make all the uncles and aunts, the 34th cousins happy too, right? But when it comes to choosing the spouse, they say, meri chalegi. It's gonna be my way or the highway. And when it comes to the occasion, sabki chalegi, huzur ki chalegi. Everyone, we're gonna follow everyone's ways except for the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In this month of Rabiul Awal, where people speak about the sunnah, let's really, let's really make this commitment. To do, to do not sharif is beautiful. To speak about sirah, bayan is beautiful. To serve special type of biscuits is beautiful. Nice things. The real thing is, where is a sunnah in our life? In my life. I'm addressing myself. You address yourself. To what degree is a sunnah? The sunnah will speak louder than anything else. You don't need to. If you never sang a nasheed in your whole life, you never heard a naat in your whole life, you're still a solid Muslim. What you will be judged is by what a part of sunnah is reflected in, in my life, in your life. And these collective gatherings is when we're sending a signal to the whole community. So this group of brothers and sisters, huge group of who are listening right now, you make this niyyah today, that your own weddings, and your daughter's weddings, and your son's wedding, that you will follow the sunnah. Say inshaAllah. No matter how challenging it may seem to you, you say, if I'm writing a check, if I'm paying, paying for it, I will not put a dollar into haram. Now, I'm not gonna pay for it in the grave. You, I'm an, as an adult, as a father, I may die way before my kids and grandkids. Why should I be paying the bill in the qabr for the sins you all made me do? No. You have to refuse. Say, no, we're not gonna do like this. But don't do it in the actual event. You plan it out from beforehand. Weeks, months in advance. You plan it out. Zahan banana barta. You gotta create a mentality. That, bhai, this is a khushi ka This is a time to bring happiness to each other. How can I bring happiness to my spouse and my marriage life if I make Allah and His Prophet angry? How is that gonna happen? You know, they say in India, in Pakistan, and all these overseas countries, what happens? When the big, big shots get married, then they show, show off by giving, not only inviting 100, 500, or 1,000 people, then they send clothes and gifts to everyone. Isn't that right? Two, 3,000 people receive gifts. The people who are cleaning the streets, the, the guy who comes cleans the toilet, and the bathrooms, and the next door neighbor's cleaner, they, everyone's getting. Because why khushi ka mokai? We gotta make everyone happy. The only one they forget is Allah and His Rasul. Okay, now today, this is, I'm coming up to the same point, that you follow us, you're praying tahajjud, you're praying salah in the masjid. I'm telling this, this crowd of people, listen to me. You pray, mashallah, you all are musalli type people. You come to the masjid, pray. Your wives pray. Why is it that this, this group of people themselves, when it comes to these issues, we forget about everything? Person, if you, if you have a habit, a weak, weakness of listening to music on your own, you have a habit of XYZ sin, that's between you and Allah, and let's hope, I pray Allah removes my sins, Allah removes your sins, allow us to do tawbah. But collectively doing something is another whole ball game. You get what I just said? You say, but I listen to music, I won't care what you do. That's between you and Allah, Tike. But why do you want to make a thousand people witness to that sin? Why do you want to involve a thousand people in that sin? Why do you want to have to pay? Nabi Wasallam said, the biggest fool, listen to this hadith, the biggest fool is the one who ruins his akhirah for someone else's dunya. The biggest fool is the one who Something, I'm forgetting the exact wording of the hadith That who ruins the akhirah His own akhirah for, to please someone else Because what, what, what does it why, What do we say? We say we want to please people People get happy 
I understand people get happy, certain type of people get happy, but who's going to pay the bill in the grave? You, are, you and I have to do that. It's not worth it. It just really is not worth it. So this is going back to the concern of Rasul Salam had for the Ummah. We need this group of brothers and sisters, mashaAllah, to make this niyyah that we will start loving the Ummah of Rasul Salam. How are you going to do that? What's the first step you think we should do? What do you guys think we should do? Dua. Subsepirage. Dua. Aisha radiallahu anha, Rasul Salam said, Ya Aisha, you want me to make dua for you? He said, she said, yes, Ya Rasul, please make dua for me. She said, Allahumma ghfir li Aisha ma taqaddam in dhambiha wa ma taakhar wa ma asaratu ma'ananat. Oh Allah, please forgive Aisha for all her past sins, her future sins. Whatever she was supposed to do, she didn't do. When she wasn't supposed to do, she did. Forgive all of this. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she began to laugh. And so much laughter out of happiness, her head fell into the Mubarak lap of Rasulullah. So excited. She fell, her, her head fell into the lap of Rasulullah. Then Rasulullah looked at Aisha and said, Oh Aisha, are you happy with this dua I made for you? And she said, Yes, my, my Nabi, my husband, I'm so happy. So Nabi Sallallahu said, Oh Aisha, I make this dua for my ummah five times a day. Yes. So ye dua we should be doing for the ummah. Allahumma ghfir li ummati Muhammad ma taqaddama min dhanbiha wa ma ta'akhkhar wa ma asarrat wa ma a'lanat Read it with me Allahumma ghfir li ummati Muhammad ma taqaddama min dhanbiha wa ma ta'akhkhar wa ma asarrat wa ma a'lanat Allahumma ghfir li ummati Muhammad ma taqaddama min dhanbiha wa ma ta'akhkhar wa ma asarrat wa ma a'lanat Right, so th- th- this is something if you don't have to say in Arabic, you can say in English, Urdu, whatever your language is. Oh Allah, please forgive the Ummah for all their past, present sins, whatever they're supposed to do, whatever they did do, and what they were not supposed to do, that they did forgive them. If you make this part of your dua daily, subhanAllah, the rewards that we'll be getting, this will be the first step in fulfilling the Sunnah of Rasulullah. We need people who care for each other. Up next time, what is part of care? I'm giving you a simple example. Uh, you're coming for Isha namaz. The next door, next door neighbor, you just saw him, you know, gardening or whatever. Just stop by. I feel uncomfortable. But if you saw the hellfire, you would not say this. The reason why we feel uncomfortable inviting our own son and daughter, our own wife and our kids, our own children, our own next door neighbors, our own relatives to the deen, is because we don't, our minds are not even thinking of what's awaiting us over there. We're not thinking. If you care about your neighbor, if you care about your loved ones, then worry about their deen, my friends. Become a da'i. Invite them towards khair. Anything, you're, 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 whatever you're learning from this class or any other class that you hear anywhere else, share it personally. Right? Talk to them, invite them. Like one for one sales. If, you, if you're in sales, you say, How do I get this guy to become my customer? Huh? You, there are all sorts of ways to do that. We all know how to do that marketing. That same zahan of marketing and, and customer service, we gotta bring to the deen. How am I supposed to get to this brother who is far, going far away from the deen? Let me think about it. How about I invite him over for snacks? How about I take him out to tea? How about I figure out an excuse for him to come over? And then build a relationship with him. And then say, oh mashallah, today let's just go for Isha. Whatever, build it up. But if you think about how to do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inspire you with the answers. We haven't even started thinking about it. And so I, one of the simple requests I ask you is, you become a da'i to this program. Every single week. You think of, if you benefited, say, however much level I benefited, there are people who may benefit much more than I am benefiting. 
and along with my benefit. Let me increase my profits. So let me work on 10 other people. Five other people. Those who are very far away from the deen also. No problem. We don't write off anyone. We don't write off anyone. A student, recently a student said, oh, there's, you know, we want to have a small group so we can be quality over quantity. So we, to, we want you to speak to a small group of brothers. So what thought came to my mind, I said, how do you know where the quality lies? You, you, on what basis are you deciding quality? Allah, Allah knows best. Don't claim piety. He is the one who knows has most taqwa. How do you know where the taqwa lies? You know, this group of 30 people have it, the others don't have it. You don't know. And why do we think that when you have quality, quantity, you are sacrificing quality? In the deen, the more the merrier. They're hidden gems everywhere. Balki, we say they're all gems. This simply the pollution of the outside world have covered up their shine and luster. That's all. So if they all come, bring anyone and everyone to the deen, to the mahol of the masjid, they all will shine. So this is something we need to take home point. Make dua for the ummah and make a niyyah that every single week I come and Allah forbid that I don't, I'm not able to make it. I'm listening online for some reason, I'm traveling. Then for sure I'm going to make a habit of inviting people. If my dear friends, we can't do this, then ask yourselves to what degree do I love the ummah, Rasulullah Whether it's this or anything else, but create a habit of concern for people. Ya Allah se mangna hai. We have to ask Allah. Aaj, today people don't have concern for their spouse. Husband is in the masjid, his wife is not. And wife is not praying. But when is the last time? Ya, you know, I can't tell her anything. I understand you, you have to do with hikmah, but Rosanna, at least you should be two rakats of prayer and you need to be shedding some tears. You want yourself to be in paradise and her to be somewhere else? You call her my love, my dear, you buy this and that for her? But the, the, if she's missing her prayers, where is she headed? If she's not wearing her hijab, where is she headed? Who's gonna worry about that if you don't as a husband? Similarly, oh wives, if your husband is going in a different direction, you cannot just say, I'm gonna stay quiet. You have to, if you can't speak, then at least let your heart speak, let your tears speak. Wake up at night and make dua, earnest dua for your husband. Make earnest, the way we make dua for our kids, make dua for each other. This is another problem. Today people care about the kids, they don't care about the spouses. Who's gonna care about the wife? If the kids are gonna care nowadays? No, I don't think so. The husband and wife need to care about each other's deen. They need to sit there and cry, Ya Allah, my husband is missing his prayer. My wife is missing her prayers. They're missing this and that. This type of, so we basically gotta start with fikr at home. And then inshallah start including the rest of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This ayah, inna ja'alna ma'al awdi zinatillaha. Last ayah here. We have made everything on this earth as a test. Okay. What is this? Basically, the entire world is one big exam. And every single aspect of this world is continuously testing us. Remember this. Shahawat are a test from Allah. Every single desire. I have a desire to drink, right? I'm thirsty. So now there's water in front of me. This is going to be... It's like I, I drink one, uh, one, one glass and I say, Alhamdulillah. Then I become successful. Allah forbid wine is offered to me. I say, no, I don't drink this. And I made sabr from it. I've gotten successful. So shahwa, desire to drink, desire to eat, desire to look at something, desire to uh, you know, have relationships. All of those shahwat in reality, every single one of them is, what is it? It's a way to get closer to Allah, believe it or not. Because if you fulfill it in a proper manner, it will take you closer to Allah. And if you refuse to go the wrong route, it will take you closer to Allah. Shukr and sabr. Do the right, do what's right and do shukr. And when haram is offered to you, do sabr and you, and you will also get reward. For example, 
A person is attracted to, of course, opposite gender. So now his gaze is going towards it. Now he looks down. That's ajar for that. If someone is attracted to the same gender, that's you're hearing about this. No problem. Same issue. I don't say it's not possible. It's possible. It could happen. But brother, that's a test. Just like attraction to the opposite gender is a test, attraction to the same gender is all a test. In both cases, Allah is watching how you respond to that. Every single aspect of our life is a, is a test. And what's the end result? Ayyum ahsanu amala to see who amongst us has the best of deeds. So inshallah, we'll may share a few, couple more points on this next week. And then we'll move on to the next ayah, which is now starting the story of the actual uh, people of the cave. So we had our uh, request last week, make niya of all of us to start reciting Surah Al-Kahf. So I want to see, inshallah, this past week, how many of us recited it? Once at least. Raise your hand if you recited it once. Okay. How many of us have recited it more than once this week? Keep your hands high. More than once. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Hi, hi, hi. Mashallah, you're encouraging people. This is not real. Keep your eyes closed. How many, how many of us are those lucky individuals who Allah blessed that you were able to recite all of it or a portion of it every day? All of it or a portion of it every day? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So this is where we're trying to get at, right? A portion of first 10, last 10 at least. Let's all, let all of us get on that tatib. First 10, last 10 every single day. And slowly on our way to start memorizing all of it. You have anything, don't else? For the, for the no, the memorization, what, what was that? Yeah. Yes, how is that going to be? Okay, on the text message for the people who registered. So now we said that we want to have those people, we made niyah of all of us to start memorizing, correct? So we are wanting to, uh, how much was the goal for this week? Okay, so starting from last week to this week and then adding another week. So two-week goal is 10 verses. Okay, 10 verses. We are now verse number 6 or 7, I think so. Huh? So, this, huh? so this is what we're, we're asking. Inshallah, there's going to be a Google Classroom link that's going to be shared for all of those who registered on the chat or registered here. Did all of you get the, uh, uh, the iPad? If you did not get where's the iPad right now? Huh? Okay, is there anyone here who didn't get it? You didn't get it? This Osman, can you just pass it up here? You have it with you? Who's got the iPad? Oh, you got it there. So on the way out, please register for it so that we have your email and then we'll send you the Google Classroom link. So those of you who would like an assistance in memorization so that you have someone to listen to your 10 verses, inshallah, we'll arrange it for that. Does that sound good? Right? We'll have, inshallah, throughout the week, assistance for those who are trying to memorize with us. If you're memorizing on your own, alhamdulillah. One of the ways that, the easy way that you go to like one of these Quran apps online or on your phone and that have a voice qari with it, choose like Sheikh Mashari Rashid or Sheikh Khalil Husri or Sheikh Minshawi, someone that recites slowly. And you put on repeat. The first verse, put a repeat 10 times. And it will come with a color. You know, all, I know which you all know what I'm talking about. That it will come with color per portion of the ayah and put on repeat 10 times or 20 times. And inshallah, if you make a habit of listening to each verse, going back and forth to work, you can easily memorize those 10 verses over two weeks. I think it's very doable. It's less than a verse per day. Inshallah. We will uh, uh, conclude with some dhikr and dua before we head out for chai and, and some snacks outside. May Allah reward all of those who are bringing in these snacks. May Allah reward and bless immensely our students who are uh, making effort, even though they have this exam preparation week and next week is exam, but they're making the snacks and taking care of the, all the live stream and, and all the other things. Uh, so may Allah Azza wa Jal reward them and put, give them barakah in their um, studies. Ameen Abul Alameen. And also a couple announcements. Friday night will be the first program we will be having at Darussalam for Sahih al-Bukhari Dars. 
this Friday night will be the first night, inshallah, hopefully, inshallah, if everything works out well, will be, uh, um, you know, with, with, with uh, the Dars al-Bukhari. But I will ask you to just keep, be, um, look out for the text message and the WhatsApp message. Just there's a few finer details that need to be finalized. So just make sure you just uh, take a look at the WhatsApp events group um, to have the final um, answer about that, inshallah. So number two is um, Saturday, Team Fajr, 6.15. Every Saturday here we have Dars, Dhikr, Salat al-Ishraq, and a full hot breakfast. So please join us 6.15 on site and online, except for the breakfast is only on site at the moment. Okay, and the third thing is Sira Conference is November 12th and 13th. Sira Conference is November 12th. We have Mufti Mudaffir coming from California, Mulan Shari Borda coming from Toronto, Mulan Hamza, Mahdar, Mulan Hamza uh, uh, coming from St. Louis, and then many of our local Chicago ulama and our Darussalam uh, teachers are going to be speaking, inshallah wa ta'ala. Uh, so we request all the brothers and sisters and students and children to come. There's going to be babysitting. There's going to be food. All those arrangements are made. We have many brothers coming from out of town. So Friday night and Saturday. If any of you who are listening to me from out of state, please plan to come. Che- tickets are very cheap in November. Off season before Thanksgiving weekend. So you can, I know a whole bunch of brothers are coming from Miami. $40, $40 ticket round trip. Right? $40 round trip ticket. SubhanAllah. So uh, I would request you to please try to look and join us for that Friday night and all Saturday uh, in November 12th and 13th. And um, the salawat goal that I spoke about at the beginning of the dars, please pick up your cards on the way out and inshallah participate, get your families to participate. We are trying to reach the goal of 7 million, ta'ala, till the Sira conference. Okay? So uh, uh, I'm sure with Allah's will, we will achieve it and inshallah even exceed it. Say inshallah. Okay, so on your way out, take as many cards as you want, and there is a Google link for you to, uh, if you're out of state, if you're out of state, you can just simply, I mean, we'll, we'll, ha- we'll set up a uh, method where you can, um, you know, put in your pledge. If you did a 10,000 or a thousand, whatever, you can t- uh, we'll send that link, just like we have the khat- monthly khatm al-Quran. Similarly, we'll have it for salawat, so you, all of you who are listening online as well, you can also be participating in this, inshallah. So when we do, we'll do dhikr of la ilaha illallah, make a niyyah of Allah Azza wa Jal, breaking all the false idols in our heart through la ilaha and then through illallah, only the love and the mahabba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala penetrating our heart. Next we will say Allahu Allah, stamping our heart with Allah's love. Then we'll send salutations upon the Prophet sallallahu And lastly, we'll seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 La ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah 
لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الله 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 لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى الله على محمد 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 صلى الله عليه وسلم استغفر الله 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 
استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله استغفر الله الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه as we gather now and make dua for each other i want to all of you to also kindly remember uh, my father also in in your dua as he was just right before maghrib got diagnosed with covid and also is suffering from pneumonia now and he's traveling overseas so please make dua for his shifa inshallah Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Allahumma anta salamun ka salamu tawarati adha al-jalali wal-ikram Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu laka shukru kulluhu Allahumma la nuhsi thana alayka anta kama athanita ala nafsik Allahumma ya hayu ya qayyum ya ahad al-samad al-lazhi lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam yukullahu kufuwan ahad Adhalamna anfusana wa ilam takhfir lana wa tarhamna lana kunna minal khasirin Allahumma ya hannanu ya minnan ya badi'a samawati wal-ard ya adha al-jalali wal-ikram wal-izzati al-lati la turam Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim La ilaha illahu al-halimu al-kareem Subhanallahi rabbil ashil al-azim walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma inna nusalik mujibati rahmatik wa عزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدعنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا هما إلا فرجته ولا مريضا إلا شفيته ولا دينا إلا قضيته ولا ضالا إلا هديته ولا سائلا إلا أعطيته ولا حاجة من حوائج الدنيا والآخرة هي لك ريضا ولنا فيها صلاح إلا أنتنا وسرتها لنا يا أرحم الراحمين ربنا اغفر لنا ذنوبنا وإسرافنا في أمرنا وثبت أقدامنا وانصرنا على قوم الكافرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وبالآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنة القوم الظالمين ونجينا برحمتك القوم الكافرين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم أن يشفي مرضانا مرضى المسلمين نسأل الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم أن يشفيه 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 أذهب البأس رب الناس لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما أذهب البأس رب الناس لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما أذهب البأس رب الناس لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما اللهم اغفر لأمتي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما تقدم من ذنبها وما تأخر وما أسرت بعلنت اللهم ارحم أمة محمد اللهم تجاوز عن أمة محمد اللهم انصر أمة محمد اللهم اكرم أمة محمد اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين وانصر الإسلام والمسلمين وحفظ الإسلام والمسلمين يا الله accept this gathering oh Allah accept all these brothers and sisters who are listening online who will listen afterwards who are listening in person oh Allah all those who travel from far and beyond to be here oh Allah we ask you to reward all of them for the efforts for the sacrifices ya Allah whatever niya any one of us have made to be here to listening online ya Allah grant us more than what we bargained for oh Allah whatever problems difficult these issues that we're any one of us are going through ya Allah uh, allow our presence here to become a means of the removal of our difficulties removal of our problems removal of our sources of stress oh Allah make our presence here a means of complete shifa from our, our spiritual diseases from our physical diseases from our emotional diseases oh Allah from any type of financial difficulty oh Allah allow the presence of uh, us here to become a means of our falling in love with every, every uh, from uh, falling in love with Rasulullah sallam falling in love with the Quran falling in love with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallam ya Allah make every one of us a reviver of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallam Allow us to live his, his life internally and externally. Allow us to implement his sunnah in our life. Oh Allah, allow us to have the concern and love he had for the ummah. Allow us to have the sympathy and empathy for the ummah the way he had. Allow us to worry and care about the, about the deen and the dunya of the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, allow us to, Ya Allah, follow his footsteps in all aspects of our life, Ya Allah. From eating, drinking, to our gatherings, to our occasions of happiness, occasions of sorrow. Allow us to follow the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu 
Ya Allah, the blessed the 13, 14, and 15th the, uh, days of this month, allow us to uh, allow us to fast. O Allah, allow us to all of us to be able to memorize the entire Surah Al-Kahf, even and allow us to all become reciters of it on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. Ya Allah, allow these secrets of Surah Al-Kahf to become opened up upon all of us. Allow us to be able to have the nur of Surah Al-Kahf to be able to distinguish from right and wrong. O Allah, O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant Ya Allah comfort to any one of us who's going through any type of difficulty. Grant shifa to all those who are sick. O Allah, grant a fulfillment of our needs of dunya, qabr, and akhirah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma asifun. Wassalamun ala mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is the six million uh, gold that you see here. Alhamdulillah, you can see how much has been fulfilled so far. If we fill up all the boxes, that will be six million. And inshallah, as a community, we will achieve this inshallah. Jazakumullah khairah.